Welcome to the Code 3 Counseling Podcast. Code 3 Counseling exists to provide mental health and personal support for first responders and their families. Each episode, we will share with you information, strategies, and resources that can help you thrive in the first responder life. The Code 3 Counseling Podcast is hosted by our co-founders, Sean Cavan and Alicia Swade. The cool thing is we are a first responder family. Sean is a retired police officer, and Alicia, Sean's daughter, is a mental health professional also married to a cop. We hope this podcast feels like you are sitting with us talking about how to enjoy living the first responder life. Now, while our goal is to provide you with helpful and accurate information, remember it is just information. This podcast is not meant to be a replacement for mental health or medical treatment. Always consult with a professional if you have concerns about your health and wellness. All right, now let's get into this week's podcast. Hello, listeners. I wanted to let you know something special about today's episode. Our interview with Rochelle Zemlock of First Responder Family Psychology went so well and was so full of information. We actually decided to break it down into two episodes. That way you can have time in between the episodes to really sit with the incredible information Michelle is sharing with us. Honestly, even all the time I've spent editing the episodes feels like as a parent myself, I still need more time to learn from this one conversation. So here's the first part and then in two weeks we will drop the second part for you to listen to. And my hope is that if you are a first responder and a parent, you can feel more confident in connecting with those kiddos of yours. So without further ado, enjoy our chat with Rochelle Zemlock. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today on the Code 3 Counseling Podcast. Today on our episode, we have Rochelle Zemlock, who is a licensed child and family psychologist in California, and she specializes in supporting and educating first responder families in her private practice, First Responder Family Psychology. She is the sister to law enforcement officers and is married to a fire captain. She serves first responders and their family members in private practice located in Livermore, California. She is also the author of the Firefighter Family Academy and co-host of the podcast Code 3 Families. Thank you so much, Rochelle, for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and like how you came to like living this mission of working with responders? Yeah. So as you read on there, like uh, my aim is really to work with families in general. And when I was in grad school, uh, you know, I'm from a law enforcement family with both, you know, growing up with both of my brothers. So from high school, you know, my oldest brother became a, when I was in high school, he became a police officer. So I really was kind of in that law enforcement family. And then, um, I, in grad school, I had to do research. And so I was like, okay, how do I contribute to this field? How do I help? I met up with a sergeant who ran their peer support team for about 20 years and asked him, like, how do I help? And he basically directed me, said, you know, we could do more for our families. Like we talk about the responder, we support admin, but we really don't know much about how to support our families. And that was awesome because that was back in 2011 or something. And he really sent me on this path because I I was becoming a child and family psychologist. I was like, yeah. okay, got it. I'm <laughs> done. Like, that's what I'm doing. And he really helped me out with my research. So I interviewed 
law enforcement families, like the officers, the spouses, and adult children of those families to try and really understand the total impact that it was having on them. And that was so helpful for me to gather information about kind of what's going on. A lot of it obviously related to other first responders, military, fire, because you kind of gather all that research together. And, you know, after doing all the research on law enforcement, I chose to marry a firefighter after that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I like to say. It's like, I did my research. Those guys are way too messed up for me. I need a fireman in my life. this direction and you know holidays are a fun time there's obviously a lot of banter there between uh, law enforcement fire but in the end as you both know they all love each other and they Mm -hmm. you know are on the same side and support one another and they talk the same language you know so uh I think that though you know, my brothers probably had a lot to say about it. They appreciated that they didn't need to do a background check on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Oh, my goodness. Score. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So what sent me down that was then, okay, we got married and I came in with all this like research and knowledge and I wanted to help first responders. And then I, I was like, we're going to create a support system for our family. We're going to, you know, be resilient to the impacts. Like we're going to do this right. And I realized after a year or two that like nobody from the department like reached out and gave me this information. And it hit me like, wait a minute, like I have all this knowledge on the impacts, what's hard, how to be resilient. And not one person has reached out to me as the spouse and told me about it or talked about signs and symptoms to notice in your first responder. When is it time to get help? When Like nothing. And so that's when it became my mission to really, a lot of my focus is talking to the spouses and what I do simply because I felt like I was being ignored and it was important. I'm like the first line of defense for my husband. Like I see the ins and outs, the ups and downs. People might see it at the department, but they're better at hiding it there. And, or people look past it. Right. So I, it's like, I need that information and I need to know what to do with that information and how to get help as a way to help our first responders and the department in their line staff. So that's what really developed my mission. And the book that I wrote was like the first step, but I obviously have lots of blogs and videos. And my hope is always to get good free content out to like spouses and families on like how to live this life and, you know, not suffer from all the impacts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I loved reading your book. I mean, I'm not married to a fireman, but I still found it very helpful and encouraging as a spouse Mm -hmm. of a responder to just understand like, okay, this is how I can kind of just manage the chaos and the craziness that comes with all of the unexpected that just happens because it's all unexpected. You can't plan for it. You can try, you can try all day long, but it's still not going to work that way. Right. And that understanding, like, I think because I grew up in a first responder family, as you kind of read in the book, it's like, I kind of came in with that sense that like, we're gonna, you know, there's a priority, and it's usually the job, but that doesn't mean that they don't love you. It's just like, you're kind of all part of this, like, greater mission, you know, like, so I kind of came in with that mindset. But I just think of like, a lot of spouses that don't have that experience, and are just like, Oh, it's another job. Sure, that's your passion. And then it's like, you know, they're kind of whirlwind, like, wait, what? Like, why are right. you working so much? Why aren't you home on Christmas? Why aren't you, you know, and it just kind of, 
So I'm trying to like slowly prepare those spouses for that yes, in the book. Yeah, like, because it is. It's not just a job. It's much bigger than that. It's a calling. Mm-hmm. It's a dream. It's a passion. Mm-hmm. It's so much bigger than mm-hmm. just your typical nine to five clock in, clock out job. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so much is brought home, which I know we will be talking about families today. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and from your perspective with having all of the research and understanding the the backside of or not the backside like the the mental health piece in the background that can play yeah. a part in the responder and especially in how they interact with their families at home one of the things that i often hear is like the frustration and stress around how to be a parent as a responder mm-hmm. um and how to work with your spouse or not with your spouse, but to create connections with your kids Mm -hmm. in healthy ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So for responders, like what kind of advice do you have for them on just how to prepare to parent children when you work a job that is really crazy and can be, uh, it can take you away from your kids so much. Yeah. Oh, there's so many different roads I can take this down. <laughs> so I need to like choose and, you know, pull me back or ask me questions if you want, you oh, know, yeah, something specific absolutely. based on like what you get and what you want your listeners to get. But yeah, it can be really hard that they spend so much time away from one another. I will say though that, you know, time away doesn't mean that you can't have a strong relationship with your kid. Uh, It's going to take some extra effort because you are away. And so there's got to be more of a, you know, yeah, an effort, an emotional connection, Um, your your kid really feeling that sense that you're taking interest in them in their life. Uh, Because, uh, you know, parents who are present, nine to five is their job. They come home, they're present every night. They probably have to do less of that because they're just there, you know? So it's going to require a little bit extra effort on the responders. end, I do think, and it's not impossible. And I think that today with technology, like I always talk about using technology to our advantage, like it's there, like you FaceTime, you send messages, you send pictures, you can call, you know, it's, it's, you can utilize it as a way to keep connecting even when you're not there. Another way to connect is like uh, something that I got from my research, the adult kids that I interviewed who talked about growing up in law enforcement families talked about uh, some of the important things was being connected to the job and the department. And oftentimes first responders really want to protect their families from all of that, right? Like by maybe not including them or bringing them to the department or the station, or maybe they do, but they don't talk about work at home. Like everyone handles it differently, but there's a lot of like protection around their family, of course, but that kids really found support in knowing a more being connected, knowing the people they work with, feeling like they were other uncles or dads or aunts who were looking out for their parent. And it it was like, it was a protective factor for sure for uh, the kids. And so I always talk to families about how to include your kid into the greater mission that you are serving, that you are passionate about, why you're doing it, what got you into it, you know, not just the 
gory stories, which we can also talk about. And so, so telling um, my daughter that the SWAT team is going to follow her on her on her first date was good parenting. Is that it? <laughs> you know, I I did use oh the department to help parent. Yeah. <laughs> with and that was something that was really I I remember it being just uh, I didn't realize until you said this but like encouraging for me Mm -hmm. um like Marnix and Blackbird and Beerman and Mm -hmm. like I knew all of them by their last name of course (laughs) um but it they did feel like family to me as a child and they were those extra uncles and I remember even when I was dating my husband and I took him to one of the Monday night football games to meet all the other guys, I was actually more excited about him meeting all the other cops <laughs> than just yeah. like my other family. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, kids worry, you know, as much as you may not want them to worry, they do worry. And this is one of those professions you can't really, especially now keep secret about what it's about and what's going on, you know? And so kids are going to be concerned. And I do think that when they know that familiar faces are, you can say, oh, you know, dad or mom is working with blah, blah, blah tonight, right? It gives them like a picture and like this sense of comfort and safety that I do think, you know, it helps in, um, and like you feeling like, you know, this is my family and, you know, I can be proud of that. In something, And it's so important that our kids don't like if they're completely detached from the work, it might be like, why doesn't, you know, dad or mom want to come to my birthday? Why don't they want to be here at Christmas? Why do they want to work so much overtime? Right. But if they can start to understand like why things happen, you know, 911 calls don't stop this. These people have to miss Christmas, too. And unfortunately, like those like they can kind of piece the world together and understand that they're also a part of serving our community really yeah and i was i was real big on trying to keep them around not only the people that i worked with but i mean alicia did uh shoulder tapping decoys for us you know (laughs) so you know having her involved in actually busting bad guys was kind of cool that was really fun yeah (laughs) Yeah, which is, and, yeah, it's fun for a kid, right? Yeah. yeah. And my other daughter, um, when, see, my wife was a, an, is, is a nurse. And so she had shift work also. So on the weekend, when um, Marissa was growing up, Alicia's younger sister, I would take her to work with me. And she'd either be in the office doing homework or watching mm-hmm. videos on the computer or sitting shotgun riding out with me in, during the day. And, you know, right. so she learned a lot more probably. Yeah, she, so she was older. She wasn't like a yeah, six-year-old. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Important to make that right. yeah, yeah. distinction. Well, and yeah, like talking about that kind of a distinction for, I know for a lot of people in society in general, not just responders, um, it's hard to figure out, okay, what is okay to share with my child at what ages? Mm-hmm. And like, what is appropriate to talk about with my kids, especially about, how the job's not always so, you know, sunshine and rainbows. There are some scary things at different times. Yeah. I know last year in 2020 with um, all the fires going on, firefighters were gone for a long time mm-hmm. for really big, dangerous fires, and you were constantly hearing about all of the mm-hmm. bad stuff that was going on. 
then with law enforcement, all the mm-hmm. craziness that goes on there as well, mm-hmm. how do you talk to your kids? How can responders know how to talk to their kids about kind of that scary stuff? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, responders get into the job, right? It's it's a passion of theirs for the exciting stuff, quote unquote, exciting stuff, right? So sometimes what I notice in families is that when they're sharing, they want their kids to be proud of them, of course, and they want to share that with them. But sometimes when they share about like the job stuff, like they share about all the exciting stuff, to young kids, exciting stuff is scary stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we like know, like research actually shows that family members of first responders have higher levels of anxiety, which makes a lot of sense. But our kids have more anxiety, fire, police, both. They have more anxiety. So obviously, probably a lot of it comes from good reason. Another piece of it is how responders, you know, and parents, because they know so much about the dangers, react at home to what they're doing. It kind of encourages anxiety sometimes in our kids. But all that to say that we have to be careful and really take, you know, the sensitivity of the child into account that they're not always ready for a lot of the things that are normal conversations, unfortunately, for our families are not normal conversations for other families. And I think responders become, they think they're like sensitizing it. And they're not (laughs) like, you know, it's like, oh, I said it this way because at work, I'd say it this way. But this is it's like, yes, but most six year olds will never hear that word until they're a teenager, you know, and it's like or or be described that scene or that, you know, somebody being victimized in that way. You know what I mean? Like where they just they there's a lot of talk about. I will quote this, like responders like to say, but it's reality, you know, Mm. quote unquote reality. But it's like you forget when you're in the first responder world that what you see, yes, it is really happening, but you have a very skewed vision of our world and people call you on their worst days. And so you see all of the terrible days. Nobody calls you to talk about so-and-so just helped our neighbor come see this. Hey, we just had a graduation party. Come over here and celebrate with us. Like they're not calling you for all those positive things that are going on in our world. And so for them, it becomes reality. Like this happens to everyone when actually most people's version of the world is not that. So it's like, sometimes they want to prepare their kids, of course, to keep them safe. Like they love their family so much. Sometimes it's a little bit too much and kids can develop more worries and anxiety around that. So you're asking like, how much do I share with them? What I would say as a child psychologist is like, go into conversations, allowing your kid to lead the way, because I can't say one size fits all kids, kids are different developmentally. So you allow the kid to lead the conversation. You can say, Hey, what is it that you've heard about? the fires going on right now? Or what is it that you've heard about the protests going on right now? Let them give you whatever information they have as a way for you to gauge where they're at with it. You could say, what is it that you feel about that? Do you have any questions about that? Do you have any concerns about that? Do you have worries? Do you like really just let them, instead of feeling the need to sit them down and explain things to them, it's like, you kind of have to see like where they're at. And, And some kids might be like, what? 
I don't know, like, I, you know, and maybe they're completely oblivious and you're like, okay, totally we're not oblivious. there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then other kids are really tuned in and going, well, so-and-so neighbor or kid at school said this or, you or know, the media, uh, and... I, the media oh, or yeah. I overheard mom or dad talk about this or, and, and it's kind of brewing in their head. And so you want to like help them process that more, right. Versus you just going in to tell them things. Yeah. I, yeah. I had talked to a buddy of mine just the other day that he's retired also. And he was with his grandson who was, I believe he's six. And mm -hmm. he brought up uh, something about all the law enforcement shootings in the country. And his, his vision or view of that comes from the media and yeah. maybe a few other adults in, in his life that didn't agree with kind of what, uh, what we see from our side of it. Yeah. So he had right. to try to explain to a six-year-old basically that just because you hear it on TV doesn't mean it's true. You know, sometimes they leave out details and, you know, he had to try to have that whole conversation on how to learn about it and, yeah. you know, be, be able to draw in different resources so that you're getting the information from, you know, reliable uh, sources. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is great. Yeah. It's great to have a conversation and I'm glad the kid brought it up, right? Because yeah. what we don't want to do is, you know, kind of sometimes we can be, you know, very authoritative or, you know, first responders can kind of, this is how it is kind of way. Oh, I was good at and that. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was very good at that. This is how it is. You're taught how to be in charge of the situations. Yeah. And yes. so it's easy to do that with your children, but it's yeah. not always helpful. Right. And that can, what it can do is really shut a kid down when mm -hmm. it comes to information that they're not sure if it's right or wrong or how you're supposed to respond to it. And if they kind of develop this, like, Oh, I'm not going to bring that up to dad or mom, you know, then you don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what they're hearing. And so it's like, you really want to try to leave that line of communication open. Uh, and by doing that is you allow them a voice a lot of the time, if possible, because mm -hmm. you want them to to practice that voice versus like shutting them down, them feeling like, oh, I can't talk. It's not a good, you know, it's not a good place to speak or talk or, and then they just kind of hold it all in. And usually they're thinking worst case scenario, no matter what. Oh, of course. Cause our brains do that really well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. but I really appreciate the idea of approaching it with curiosity and, mm -hmm when we come at things with curiosity, it also encourages our kids to come at things with curiosity rather than a judgment. And I'm going to prove you wrong from mm -hmm. the start. And instead right. it's, well, what is there? What is all the information? And then how do I figure all of that out? And just what do I do with it? And then you kind yeah. of guide your kids using your own ideals and morals and ethics that you want to raise your children in and how to respond to the answers that they get that they find. Right. Yeah. I, yep. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We wanted to let you know about a free resource we provide for first responders. It is our monthly wellness newsletter. On the first Tuesday of every month, we send out an email newsletter that gives you different tools and strategies so that you can thrive as a first responder. When you sign up for our newsletter, you also get two free downloads. One is how to find the right counselor as a first responder. The second is 10 questions to spice up your sex life. So use the link in our show notes or head over to our website to sign up for the newsletter and get your free downloads today.
Also, if this podcast was in any way helpful for you, we encourage you to share it with others and keep the conversations going. You can help us reach more responders by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform. You can also connect with us through our website, code3counseling.com, or find us on social media, on Instagram at code3counseling, or on Facebook at code3counselinginc, or use the hashtag code3counseling. And always remember, it may be your battle, but you don't have to fight it alone.